Hi, I'm Shaky, and these are my tales of times forgotten. This is Shaky Subject Matter. All right, SHKE coming to you live from the Polo Room in Polo, Illinois today with my guest Steve Frano, who has an absinthe bar located in Polo, Illinois. So absinthe is a liquor, high-potent liquor. Yes, it is. And uh, from Switzerland, I understand? Or am I wrong uh, about that? Actually, well, the Swiss have, all, have had it, but the, it originated in France. France, okay. It was originally, um, what had happened was during the Napoleonic Wars, there was a fungus that ended up plaguing the, uh, the grapevines and almost destroyed the French wine crop. And back in the 1830s, 1840s, nobody drank water. Water was, you know, would have given you dysentery. It, you know, it, um, they didn't have, you know, ways to treat the water. So what did treat water or made it keep you from getting sick was alcohol. Okay. So people drank beer and wine. That was, that was the staple. You had beer or wine with your meal. You never drank water. During the wars, uh, Napoleon's generals, they usually furnished the men with wine. Your military is no good if they can't, if they're all sick. Seeing there was a shortage of wine, they came up with, with absinthe as a way to add it to the water. But absinthe by itself is very bitter. So they'd add it to the water and they'd add sugar to it. And when the Men came back, came back to Paris, etc., back to France after the wars. Um, they had already had a, a taste, they had developed a taste for absinthe, and that's what started the popularity of the drink. Um, absinthe is its own liquor, uh, just like a, whisk, a whiskey, tequila, gin, a vodka. Absinthe stands as, as equal to any of those. It is, however, the only alcohol that was never designed to be drank straight. It was always, it, it, you know, you could have is a that, shot of whiskey, a shot of tequila. Is that where the sugar cube That's where in? the sugar cube okay. and the whole ritual, uh, where you, you have it off of a, an ice water bath fountain that drips it through a serrated spoon. So the water goes through the spoon. You put a sugar cube on the, on the spoon. And as the water hits the sugar cube, it dissolves and you collect, the absinthe and the water mixture on the bottom, um, and that's called the, the traditional French tradition of serving absinthe. Uh, it's a kind of a highly formal way to do it. It's the way we served it down here, and the only way we served it down here um, up until just a few months ago after I spent all summer going through a bunch of old recipes. Some of them haven't, have, have not been around for over 100 years. Okay. And, uh, we came up with six recipes. Some of them, we've changed some of them a little bit for to, let's say, adapt it to today's palate. Yeah, so we have like six drink recipes that we use here for people who want to maybe have a taste of, of absinthe, but they don't really want to have a, a full drink of absinthe and worried about, you know, too much alcohol, et cetera. There's a lot yeah. of myth and superstition around absinthe. Yes, the green which hopefully fairy. we can get into, yes. yes. You know. uh, I wanted to tell you, I've never... I never heard of this until the late 90s mm-hmm. with Marilyn Manson right. and Nine Inch Nails mm-hmm. did a video with it. And it was some type of dangerous thing thought of as dangerous. 
apparently there was an axe murderer that they, I think they railroaded him on that one, but mm-hmm. they blamed him for uh, drinking the absinthe and causing the problems. So why don't we get into a little bit about that if you're... Well, absinthe was banned in the United States, or basically you had a strong temperance movement, which when I say temperance means, you know, they wanted to prohibit the drinking of alcohol. Alcohol was seen as a uh, something that would, was a pox on society, was a, a scourge that should have been eliminated. And one of the one of the things they were able to do, there was a, a farmer, I think up in Maine, uh, in the United States, okay. they ended up killing his family and burning his house down, and it it was sensationalized in the papers back in the day, and they blamed absinthe on it. When people have gone back through and actually revisited it years later, uh, or actually knew of the situation, it was common knowledge back then, but from the prohibitionist point of view, they blamed it on absinthe. Uh, why is something with such a high alcohol content? When we say alcohol, high alcohol content, alcohol is usually around, absinthe usually starts around 90 proof and can go as high as 140, 150 proof. Um, if you've ever had Bacardi 151, Bacardi 151 is 151 proof alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, Bacardi no longer makes 151 because um, they just decided that was too much alcohol in a drink. Uh, <laughs> absinthe does have a high alcohol co- content, but... Even in its pure form, even in the French recipe where you mix it with water, it's still, it's a strong drink, but it only has one ounce of alcohol. Most bars will put an ounce and a half of 80 proof alcohol. You know, Mm -hmm. most of your whiskeys and gin and vodka are 80 proof. Some are 100. Um, But the general, in the United States, the general alcohol is usually around 80 proof. You're like Dr. McGillicuddy's like cherry or menthol. They're around 40 proof. Okay. So they're about half as strong. So you do a shot of that. It's mostly like sugar syrup. Uh, Jägermeister's 80 proof. Um, so those things, you know, for comparison purposes, you might be paying $6 for an absent drink, but you're getting, um, it's usually equivalent to about three beers. Okay. So it's actually cheaper to drink absent than it is beer. <laughs> do you want this getting out? <laughs> <laughs> I try to tell that people because the biggest complaint I'll have when somebody comes in here from the area is I'm not going to spend 6 or $8 on a drink. Uh, that same drink, if you went to New Orleans, would be $24. Yeah. So you're getting it for about one-fourth of what the price on the street would be for that drink. Um, it is expensive. It's expensive to purchase, and that's probably why most bars don't bother carrying it is – it doesn't have a very, uh, it's not a very popular thing, at least not at, at this point. Back during the 19th century, in the 1850s, 1880s, all the way up to the 1920s, or in the States here in 1912, um, but uh, it was probably the most popular alcohol on the planet. At the so time. what made you decide to start bringing it back in Polo? Well, Absinthe was banned in the United States due to that. We were talking yes, about that. The uh, axe murder. That axe murder. What actually had, let's go back to that and then I'll explain okay. how, it, how it came up. Um, yes, he did drink absinthe, but that absinthe was, he, he, had, he had about a half a bottle to a bottle in the morning hours. Yes. 
And, and a lot more. He had a he, lot more. Then he proceeded. <laughs> he, he had that at home. Then he went out to the taverns. And he drank a lot of beer. He drank two bottles of whiskey, um, a bottle of vodka, and uh, then came home and then did the deed. But that didn't happen until about 10 o'clock at night. So the absinthe that he drank early in the morning was long gone by the time he got home. So it really didn't have anything to do with absinthe. It just started the day off. Um, Hence, though, that proceeded that that situation and a few other cases around the world. Like I said, absinthe was the most popular drink in the time. Because of that, there were many people making it. It was primarily made in France and and, in Switzerland. And um, also Czechoslovakia. Well, it wasn't Czechoslovakia back then. It was part of Germany. Okay. And um, they were putting out a lot of different things in it. And, and just like uh, during Prohibition, when they were making bathtub gin and stuff, there was a lot of nasty stuff put in alcohol. There was, uh, They were putting anything and everything in it. So there were people getting sick. Uh, it wasn't any of the original recipes or the absent that we okay. serve today. Um, but then, so it was banned. And like you said, you saw it. With Marilyn Manson was your first exposure to it. Yeah, uh, mine was, I think the movie, uh, uh, the movie with Brad Pitt and uh, Tom Cruise. They were vampires. I forget the name of that movie. Uh, interview, interview, interview with, with a vampire. vampire. Yes. Yeah. And there, there was a scene in there where they drank absinthe, and then yeah. uh, the the movie Dracula, uh, the remake that came out right around that same time, also had a scene with. Uh, Absent. That would be Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. I don't know if it was with uh, yeah Keanu Reeves and yes, uh, it was Keanu yeah. and uh, Gary Oldman was the yes. uh, was the vampire. Yes, and there's a scene where Keanu Reeves and Gary Oldman are talking, and he, he goes into it's actually a quote that used to be posted in the men's bathroom here uh, that uh, the, it discusses or they have a conversation about absent. Yeah. And so there was that. There was a movie Road Trip, you know, okay. comedy where they went on an absinthe binge. Anyway, I had seen it in movies, and I had always heard of it, but I knew it was illegal in the United yeah. States. And so I said, well, you know, one of these days I'm going to go to Europe, and if I do get over there, I'm going to, I'm going to have some absinthe. And uh, we opened uh, this. Uh, I purchased this the VFW back in 1999. We opened. In December thirty first, nineteen ninety nine, you know it's, it's a labor of love. Basically, down here you're always trying to find things for the bar, etc. And we were serving a lot of Jägermeister, and I was looking up. I said, oh, "I'll look for Jäger signs." Yeah. So I went on the internet, and this is probably around two thousand four, two thousand five. As I'm looking for Jäger stuff on the internet, all of a sudden all these absent ads pop up. Yeah. And you know, it, it started coming. It started coming strong after the appearances in the videos that I remember right. everywhere. Uh-huh. And um, so I found out a few things about apps. At the time, those were all sites that you could purchase it basically from Czechoslovakia or France, and they would ship it over to the United States. Now, it was not illegal to have absinthe or to drink it in the United States. It never was. It was just illegal to sell it. So you could go over overseas and you can bring it in. There was no problem with that. Um, but you couldn't sell it. So from a bar owner's point of view, there's no reason for me to 
wanted other than my own personal, let's say, uh, quest for yes. the Holy Grail of alcohol, <laughs> which I get in trouble with saying it's the Holy Grail. But it to me, if you're, if you're, you know, some people like fine whiskeys or fi- or you know, imported beers or craft beers. Uh, they're always looking for the best taste. For me, I wanted to at least try every yeah. alcohol that there was available. And, of course, absent in the United States, if they did sell it, it did not have uh, Thurzone in it, which was the active ingredient. Yes, uh, the, the, worm, the wormwood. wormwood yeah. The wormwood. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, short story of it, I ended up purchasing some from Czechoslovakia and having it air freighted in. And uh, that gave me my first taste of absinthe, which the next day I had a splitting headache, <laughs> and I said, I'll stick to my Jaeger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a few months passed, and had a, had an evening, a buddy come over, and we were going to go out to the bars. They said, hey, let's you want to try some absinthe? He had never had it either. So we had these little plastic uh, rocks glasses we had made up that said the Polar Room on them. And... Uh, we're in the kitchen and did a couple shots of absinthe with the sugar, with the water and the sugar, and probably feeling, starting to feel the effects. And I said, "Hey, you know, this stuff's high proof. We could light it on fire." So we poured it over the sugar cube, and before the water hit, we we lit it up, and there's a nice blue flame, you know, very light blue flame, yes. burn very, very, very blue, and. Um, we're talking, and then all of a sudden, my buddy says, hey, the glass is moving. <laughs> and we look, and the glass is moving. But it wasn't actually moving around the table. It was what it was doing is melting, because we thought we oh. blew the flame out, but mm-hmm. we didn't. Okay. So the, the plastic was actually melting, and I saved the glass for years, but I can't find it now. But uh, that was my first, quote, hallucination, or yeah. hallucination of, uh, under absinthe. Um, but... Uh, that started, you know, just like the guy that killed his family with yeah. the axe. We had absinthe. We went out that night, and needless to say, the next morning woke up with a headache. No axe murders here yes. in Oregon <laughs> or Polo, but, you know, it still was probably the start of my fascination with it. I said, oh, there is something to this drink, and there is something to it. It's not – It's if you're a person that will drink and will get drunk – um, absinthe will get you drunk. That's a definite. But um, it's a different drunk. It's when it first kicks in. I would say the easiest way to describe it is first a, a period of time, which I don't know how long it is, twenty minutes, half hour. You feel like you're the smartest person in the room. You're you're clear headed. You don't get a fog or get stupid. If anything, you get smarter. And uh, you actually can, that's why it was a very popular drink among artists and poets and, you know, painters, uh, writers. Ernest Hemingway was a fan. Uh, Picasso uh, and, of course, Vincent van Gogh attributed his ear getting cut off when he was probably drunk on absinthe, which it's not proven or known what what he did, but he did cut his ear off. And he was, uh, most art historians now trace back a lot of his work is more bizarre work, possibly to an absinthe intoxication that fueled his painting. So, you know, now today you have Marilyn Manson drinks it, um, uh, Johnny Depp 
Eminem, Johnny Depp, Tommy Lee, and Marilyn Manson are all known absent drinkers. Okay. Uh, now, absent didn't become legal again until 2007. I just want to know what you think, uh, what drew uh, Johnny Depp or uh, Marilyn, was it the danger of psychedelic experiences with the drink or is it just a well i would say all every one of the for them to develop a taste for absinthe they had to be when they were over outside of the states okay because like i said it wasn't legal till 2007 and most of these people were known to absent drinkers back in the early 2000s um so i imagine if they're on the road they're in europe they want to try something that that they can't get in the states yes. It'd be the same thing. If I ever went to Europe, I would definitely try absinthe. Uh, I was able to do it here the first time because I was bought it online. But um, you know, if I was rich and could travel the world, I would you know probably would have gone over there. And the, one of the first things I would have done was find a nice absinthe bar or find some and yeah, you know, and uh, see what the see what this whole thing I hear about in you know pop culture. All the mystery yeah, and the intrigue, and what it's all about. It was it was very scary looking, yeah. and so I would imagine that's that's the allure. Okay, it's kind of the the, type, the taboo, the you know, the the dark side. You know, uh, what is it all about? That's why I would imagine those individuals, especially, were drawn to it. Um, today, uh, it's definitely becoming more it's not maybe advertised as much because we live in a time where let's say excess of almost anything yes. is not good yeah I know. and you have political correctness and everything else i miss the 70s yeah it's not, <laughs> it's not as pop it's not as cool to be abusive mm-hmm. of anything not that alcohol or absent is by itself is abusive it's just uh it's something that uh i relish having it and being able to serve it and sell it and uh, talk to people about their experiences. It is something that is um, definitely, if you've never tried it and you've never had it, it's something that if you can find a way that you can like the taste, uh, if you like Jaeger, you should like absinthe because absinthe is actually kind of a more, uh, it's not as heavy as a syrup or sugary drink as uh, Jägermeister would be. Um, when they banned absinthe, that's when Jägermeister came out, Uzo, all the all the black licorice flavored yes. drinks came out, or alcohols, or and it is uh, licorice flavored. It is licorice flavored. It's a ba- black basis flavor. on yeah. its base, right? It has an, an it's an anise taste. So if you're you ever had the black licorice candy from like you know, let's say the Amish or any anybody you know, homemade black licorice back from the day, uh, black cat gum, any of that, yeah. you know, good and plenty. It all tastes the same. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, tell us about your setup here for the different brands. How how do you have it set up here? Okay. In well, Bowling? we have a we have an absinthe fountain, which I alluded to a little bit before. Uh, it's basically a uh, a glass uh, a glass jar with spigots on it. You fill that with with an ice water, and uh, use you open up the spigots, and that'll drip the water into a cup that has absinthe on the bottom over an absinthe spoon with a sugar cube on it. 
that's the traditional way to serve it. And what happens, and this is, we have over 21 different absents here. Um, and at least to my knowledge, we have the largest absinthe collection within the least three states. Um, right, right here in Polo. Right and here in th Polo. This is real. This it's is real. real in Polo. <laughs> uh, there was an absinthe bar in Rockford. I don't know if it's still there. Uh, these are, I'm told, from my distributors. Because when I did start purchasing absinthe and selling it, I hit, I, I ended up on the radar that obviously the salespeople that sell it and they wanted to know who this guy out in the middle of nowhere was that's yeah. selling absinthe. We, uh, as far as Lucid was the one, Lucid is the brand that got prohibition lifted on absinthe in 2007. And how I got into it was I told you I purchased it and had some of it from Czechoslovakia. And this is about 2009, I think it was two years after the ban was lifted. I was driving around in Chicago, and there were these big black billboards located on the expressway, and I had seen them for a couple of weeks. Big black billboards with green eyes, and it just said prohibition is lifted, and then it had a, a, uh, a web address, you know, lucid.com, yeah. and that's all it said. And it took me a couple of weeks. I wrote it down on a piece of paper, and probably a week or so later, one night down here, I finally looked it up. And it said absinthe is now legal. You know, you can get lucid. And I'm, that next morning, I called my, my, my distributors. I said, can I buy absinthe? They're like, sure you can. I said, well, why didn't anyone tell me? You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean this is big news. At least to me it was. Yeah. Um, so I bought a case of absinthe. And it was the first ad I put on Facebook. The first time I posted anything for the bar about a drink. And I did a little spiel saying that, you know, if you ever tried absinthe, it's legal. We're the first ones to bring it to, you know, our area. And we started serving it Friday night, and I was out of absinthe by Saturday night. <laughs> I went through a whole case the first night. And uh, the bar was packed. We had a great response. And um, I'd say, yeah, not everybody was a fan, but they tried it, yeah. which is all I can ask you to do. And my question, I always tell people, if they say, oh, I don't like black licorice, is, well, you realize black licorice was up to the 20s and 30s and 40s, your grandparents, et cetera, that was their flavor of choice. I yeah. mean, now today it's it's red licorice or something else. A lot of raspberry. A lot of raspberry in the yeah. air with all the vaping going on. Yeah, but <laughs> black licorice 100 years ago was, was the candy flavor of choice. Um, and so, you know, you can, I don't know why taste buds have changed, et cetera. I always like black licorice. So for me, yeah. it's fine. And there are a few of us idiots out there that do like black licorice. Yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't say we're idiots, but you know, we're goofy enough that we like it. And, um, now that I finally caved because I was a purist, I wouldn't serve it other than the traditional way. Okay. And uh, so over the summer, like I said, I developed six drink recipes that we took some of them over a hundred years old. Yeah, what what are what are some of those called? Or uh, well, we've got uh, one is called the root of all evil, which is a it's absinthe and root beer. Okay, it actually tastes really good. Uh, nothing, I mean, all these I would say. Let's say you're not a true black licorice fan. I kind of 
chose drinks that I thought would, like I said, try to update it to today's palate. These all these drinks also, if they were around 100 years ago, they were probably four or five times stronger than today's drinks. So your great grandparents, if they did drink before prohibition, they drank heavy. <laughs> That's the only thing I'd say. When I went it back, it was a different time yeah, back then. When I was trying these drink recipes, you know, all summer long we're making them, and you try a different one every night. I I I had to go to four or five liquor stores just to get some of these this stuff. To, yeah. to mix these drinks up because it's just stuff that I, I didn't even hear of. Um, but I, here's one we have, which obviously isn't 100 years old. We call it the Bermuda Triangle. It's absinthe, vodka, and Red Bull. So yeah. it's uh, actually not a bad drink. Uh, all these, in my opinion, are, are pretty good drinks. Um, we also have one called the Vajazzle, and that's uh, made with Drambuie, Citron, and absinthe. Uh, so that's obviously not one that's been a it, it it's it it has its roots from a hundred years ago, but obviously I'm, I'm what's a zambui? A drambui? Drambui <laughs> is uh it's a Scotch based liqueur. Okay. So it's kind of it it's or it's kind of well it, Scotch is a brandy that a uh, brandy which is uh, fermented wine. Mm-hmm. So it's from wine. They actually make a, a booze out of it, which is. Where Scotch comes from, and Drambuie is a Scotch um, liqueur. Okay. Um, so surprisingly, those all go together very well. Okay. Uh, though it's not a an absent drink, we do sell Vapertinis here, which is the lowest calorie drink you can have. You actually don't drink it; you inhale it. So if you're into vaping. <laughs> You can vape that, alcohol. I've never too. even heard it. I've, I didn't even know that yeah. existed. Yeah. This, um, I find, I woke up. I woke up at 3 a.m. TV was going, and it was Dr. Oz was on there, and he was doing a special on vaping alcohol and yes. the dangers of it. And um, so as he's talking, I, I never heard of vape. You know, who would ever inhale alcohol? What's the point? Well, it goes right into your bloodstream. Uh, there's no calories involved. And uh, so it'll give you an instant, an instant alcohol rush. Yeah. So, of course, owning the polar room, I said, "Oh, that sounds perfect for my clientele." <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I had to figure out where I could, you know, what was the safe way to do it, et cetera. Well, they actually, um, a bartender in Chicago, she quit her job. She was selling these, she made these glass globes, mm-hmm. and she sold them, and they called them a Vapertini. They started selling them in the bar, and then they, um, um, uh, she was able to quit her job because, it, you know, she was selling these globes quite a bit. So I got a hold of her, bought a couple globes, but when I called her, it was a week after the show, on the show on Comedy Central, Workaholics, they had Snoop Dogg show up, and mm-hmm. they were doing Vapertinis on the show. So it was about a three-month delay before I could get one because she was out of stock of these Vapertinis. So we have Vapertinis here, too. So if you ever want to experience The Vapertini experience right here in Polo. Yep. And let's see. What else we got? We have one called the Landing Strip, which uh, is a blend of Lucid and Midori. Uh, It's actually a very flavorful drink. Um... That's not a bad one. I, I, I like them all, actually, but I'm biased. 
We also have one called the Bikini Trim, which is a delicate twist of Lucid and Cream Liqueur, which would be Bailey's. Mm -hmm. So if you like Bailey's on the rocks, it's Bailey's with Lucid. It really makes a nice drink. It's a nice drink. Those are our six. I think I gave you six. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't give you the Brazilian, which uh, this one is 100 years old. Uh, we changed it because we added orange soda to it. But it's an addictive blend of elderflower, orange soda, and absinthe. What's an elderflower? Elderflower is a liqueur. Okay. One of those that I had never heard of. Mm -hmm. And it's it has its own taste. There's drinks that, that have elderflower in them. And um, so I guarantee you, all those drinks, you can ask. Uh, there's nowhere else around unless you're at a high-end uh, hotel in the city that would have absinthe that you'd even have a bartender that would know anything about them. Now, we changed the names because we changed the drink recipe a little bit. Like I said, they would it'd actually be quite strong. And a lot of the drinks that contain absinthe, um, we didn't. I, I, I Like I said, I went through over 100 probably this summer. I wouldn't serve because, one, we'd probably have to make the uh, some of the mixers that go with it, you'd have to make in advance. And I would never, because we're in a small town, we're not going to yeah. sell a lot. Yeah. It's something I can't have on the shelf and make up, so yeah. we don't do that. But um, some of them are just too strong. They're just, it, it'd be an, it's like drinking a martini. Yeah. Um, if you're a martini drinker, you have two or three martinis, you get up to go to the bathroom and your legs might go give away because <laughs> all of a sudden it hits you. Did you, you know my dad? Huh? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, absinthe be the same way. You have yeah. three or four absinthe, and then you get up to go to the bathroom. You'll feel it. You know, typically, I'd say your first absinthe drink. You know, within ten fifteen minutes, you're gonna feel flush. Your your ears are gonna be warm, and you're gonna start feeling the effects. Um, I tell people if if you're looking for to try to experience absinthe the way it's the way. I'm trying to tell you to experience absinthe. The way you're going to actually feel the difference. Don't drink anything else. No beer. No wine. Start with absinthe. Drink just absinthe. And two or three drinks, you should experience something different that you've never had before. And not, not uh, spinning walls or... No. It's, it's uh, regular. We don't want to scare people. Yeah, it's not... Uh, if you, if you drink to, to get drunk or to get a buzz, I'd say the best way to describe it is that buzz feeling is different than any other alcohol you're going to have. Okay. You're still functioning, actually. You're, yeah. you're probably going to actually feel, like I said, smarter than yes. ever before. It, it, they try to explain it, and I've the only thing I can tell you is that the one person described it as you're in touch with all your senses and your senses start sharing ex the experience. So you could taste colors. You, let's say yeah. theoretically yeah. you taste colors. I remember seeing the music coming out of the jukebox like a fountain and dripping down off the walls. You know, so it's kind of like a hallucinogenic effect that way. But you're feeling the music. You know there's, you know it's not really happening, but it's like all of a sudden your mind's showing you colors to the music. Yes. Um, 
and smells like i said you could taste the smells you could uh you could see the smells you know it's it's just it's unique it's different and um i play pool and when i started playing pool after years of not playing pool had a few absent drinks in me and go up to the pool table and I swear to God, it, there was a laser beam coming out of the pool cue. <laughs> and I could see yeah. where that ball was going to go. And I was all of a sudden making double, triple bank shots. Yes. And I was on fire. Yeah. And I was able to replicate that and do it two, three, four times. Um, I'm like, oh, the absence of cure. You know, you could play pool. I'm sure you could play darts better, everything. And anybody that bowls, darts, pools, anything like that, they'll say, oh, you know, when I drink, I play better. Well, yeah. It's kind of that. But even better but it only lasts for a few minutes because yeah. if you try to keep it going and have your fourth absinthe or your fifth absinthe now you're just a drunken mess and you can't even see the balls anymore <laughs> yeah yeah so why don't we tell people where they can have the absinthe experience in the middle of nowhere let's give some landmarks like the pines or something to all right we're, recommend. we're in polo illinois which is Let's say uh, we're 15 miles or so north of I-88. We are, um, if you're coming out of Chicago, you can take North Avenue, which is Route 64. We're out about 100 and so miles. You come out here to Route 2652. You take a left-hand turn off of North Avenue, 64. We're about two miles down. If you're coming from the north, we are the first building on the left after you cross the bridge. And coming into polo. There's a big new sign out there, too. There's a big sign out there that says polo room. That's right. Yep. Uh, if you're coming from the south, I-88, we're going to be the last building on your on your right when, you come, when you're when uh, you heading out of town. You're going to come into town. You're going to drive about a mile through town, and uh, we're the last building before you go over the bridge. Let's, let's give the address because some of the people that do listen to my show are actually from Europe. Oh, okay. So we uh, are, they can Google map it. Yes, we're 712 North Division Avenue, Polo, Illinois. Phone number is 815-946-2886. Also, I'd like to just mention that this New Year's Eve will be our 20th anniversary of opening the Polo Room. We opened December 31st, 1999, so it's not only our 20th anniversary, it's the 20th anniversary to the day. We're going to have a, we're inviting everybody uh, we're going to do a Roaring Twenties theme party. It's 2020, Roaring Twenties. Um, celebrate, uh, actually, Prohibition also started in 1920, so uh, it's a 100-year anniversary of the start of Prohibition, which isn't something a bar would celebrate, but I'm celebrating my 20th <laughs> year in business. And uh, we're doing a Roaring Twenties theme party. We're going to have a photographer here if you get dressed up. Uh, you can come as you are. Um, and we're also, we have dinner packages available. We're serving prime rib that night. Anywhere from $25 for the dinner itself. It's $40 for the dinner and a two-hour open bar. And $50 for the dinner, three-hour open bar, and a $10 match play coupon, uh, which means that you put $10 in the video gaming machines, we'll give you $10 to put in also. So uh, that's obviously the best deal. But uh, if you can make it, it's worth it. 
part of history. 20 years in business in polo is not a small feat. <laughs> Believe me, I can tell you, he's not lying. <laughs> Any look downtown will tell you. <laughs> well, thank you, Mike, for, you know, thinking of me, and I hope I helped educate some people on absinthe. It, it will be, uh, it's very, no one knows a lot about that. No. Especially out here. It's, it's just good to have, I know I make fun of polo a lot in my podcast with the commercials, but it is a real place and it is pretty cool. I even had a Halloween party here a few years ago. So. Yes, you did. Oh, also there, um, we do offer third Sunday of every month around three o'clock we offer an Absinthe 101 course. It's $20, and basically you get to ask me questions or I'll get to, to just force-feed you some facts about Absinthe, little trivia, and we do uh, let you try the six drinks. Okay. So it's a, it's a nice way if you're curious, but, you know, you just maybe want to do it during the day, you know, be safe, come on down. You're not going to get drunk off of the six drinks because they're not going to be full six drinks okay. but we'll we'll make a drink and you know sherry will give you a little taste of each one so you get an idea of if, if absinthe is even something that you're going to enjoy i would think considering most you know at one point in time it was one of the most popular drinks in the country in the world that uh i'm hoping eventually tastes will come back around um it is it is a uh, definitely a unique experience okay That's all i can say thanks all right well for steve and Chloe the dog, who you heard breathing in some of this. That wasn't me getting all hot and heavy to get to the absinthe fountain. But uh, I'll put some pictures up. Maybe I'll put a picture up of the absinthe fountain. Yep. Or the mural. You have a mural over there on the wall that was just painted by our friend, Nick who also Gino did my uh, logo for my podcast. Yep. So, That's Nick Genoa. Yes. Fantastic artist. So um, we try and... Uh, it might have taken us 20 years, but I think we're, we're kind of running with the absinthe. Uh, uh, the response I'm getting is uh, unbelievable, actually, considering small town. But if you're a small town, you have to figure out a reason for people to come to your small town. To yeah, so all you goth rockers out there, get your flannel shirt on and come out to Polo, Illinois. Yeah. Polo do, room. Do something different that you're not going to do at any other place. 